The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at Sons of Liberty Media.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Friday. I got to tell you, I'm ready for the week to be over. <laughs> I am ready for it to be over. Uh, but it, please check us out online, sonsoflibertyradio.com and sonsoflibertymedia.com. If you want to watch the video portion of the show, you can do so. Go to sonsoflibertymedia.com and scroll down right there on the right. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio right there on sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can also check out that live video feed on my Twitter account at FPPTim. Uh, our Periscope account is tied to that setting brush fires. Also, our Facebook page, Bradley Dean SOL. YouTube channels B Dean Sons of Liberty, beforeitsnews.com, and also DLive.tv. <clears throat> Excuse me, at The Sons of Liberty. You can also check us out on Spreely Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.life at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. And as always, the phone lines are open. Uh, boy, I'd, this morning I'd love to have <laughs> callers with opinions about the show, um, what you've heard this week, or, or any input that you have, uh, or even on this topic today. So it's kind of open today if you wanna if you wanna call in and you wanna bring any of that commentary or or a question or anything like that, it's you're welcome to do that. Uh 215-867-8255, 215-Top Talk. Yeah, if you want to come take my head off, you can come do that too, okay? <laughs> Open it up for that too. By the way, somebody said in one of the channels that they uh, at least one of the video channels that they are curious as to where all these trolls are. Now, it doesn't look like we may have a bunch today, but we might. Um, so, yeah, five minutes after, five minutes after is when we begin. So, what I wanted to do for those people was let everyone see. We'll just leave this up while I'm on the screen. I mean, I can put it on every one of them, but it'll get in the way, and it may be, even be distracting here. You guys let me know what you think. But uh, here's... Um, where people can see what I'm talking about should the trolls arrive this morning, okay? Should they arrive this morning, this is where you'll be able to see it. <laughs> right here on this screen only. All right. For the people listening by Red State, I know you don't know anything about what I'm talking about. Maybe you can check it out when you get home or you can pull it up on the YouTube or Facebook or something like that and you'll be able to see it. All right. So today, um, boy, there's lots I could go, lots of directions I could go in. Obviously, we could deal with this stuff with uh, Beirut. Um I don't know about you guys. I just, I don't, 
I, I don't I don't buy it. Okay, I don't buy the narrative that some guy left something that or an arc welder sparked something. You know that I, I just I don't buy it. Okay, I, I just don't. Um, I could go down that route. Uh, I chose not to. I, there is something that came out this week that kind of uh, sparked my interest in the attacks on the Second Amendment, which again we were told. Um, when Donald Trump came into office, those were over. Eight years of attacks on the Second Amendment would be over. <clears throat> but they're not. In fact, his administration has attacked them. But I'm not going to deal with his administration so much as I'm going to deal with what's going on around the country uh, to attack them. And the, the attack the, the right to keep and bear arms as well as other rights that we have. Now, we've been addressing certain things such as... Um, you know, the, the militias that are coming out. And I, I, I had this show the other day on the militia to say, you're the solution to all of this, you and I. All right. And uh, part of the problem is, is that we don't know any better. We know the term militia. We know constitution. We understand law, but we think it's somebody else's job to enforce the law. When it's the people's job under our constitution through the militia, to enforce the laws of the Union, to repel invasions, to put down insurrections. That's, that's our job as the people. That right that we have as a people to enforce the law, as well as to keep and bear arms, is under attack. There, you may not hear it as much under a Republican president as you do under a Democrat, but um, you look at the, the sales of guns. Usually those sales go way, way up, don't they? They go way, way up under Democrat presidents. See see how the, the propaganda works there? The brainwashing is that, that, oh, it only goes up under there, right? That's, that's what you're told. But <clears throat> consistently, uh, we have a small gun site, uh, me, and, me and my boys, and it's called Guns in the News. And it, Every month, every month now that I can remember, since Donald Trump has been president, gun sales have gone up. Here's one that we had just yesterday. Gun sales continue to boom. Um, now, we've had a lot of uh, just gun articles on, on various guns here recently, but there continues to be attacks. Uh, I thought we had a couple more here on the gun sales issue where I know we have. Uh, here's another record month. This was just a couple of days ago for NICS checks as gun rush continues. And you can go through the pages and you'll be able to see that, that this is what we've covered for a long time. Uh, hi, JD. Good morning to you. <laughs> All right. So, um, boy, we got some weird stuff going on there. Anyway. Part of the issue is the attacks on the rights. Now, let me give you this one. This one is the, the ironic one. Now, this came out earlier this week, and we put it up at sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can check it out there. Home defense under attack. L.A. County District Attorney's husband charged with assault. Assault. For using gun to defend home against BLM trespassers. Now, when you read the mainstream media stories here, okay, when you read the mainstream media stories, what they say is BLM protesters. Well, protesters don't come on your lawn 
and get up at your front door, do they? No, they don't. Okay? Um, but here's what happened, and notice the irony, right? Considering that Los Angeles, uh, the Los Angeles District Attorney is a part of the very party, and again, I'm not trying to get into these these party things, right and left, Democrat, Republican thing, but it's ironic to watch, to watch um, a party that has been known to attack the Second Amendment over and over and over and over and over, and this person is that, and yet her husband has a gun, and he's willing to defend himself and his family, which is a good thing. I'm not attacking that at all. So what's happening? She's a very part of the party that has taken over California and pushed communist-style pretended legislation against guns and gun owners. Yet, here we are with a group of Black Lives Matter trespassers. By the way, the gentleman defending his home was black. Not that that matters, but do you see the irony here? A group of Black Lives Matter trespassers who came to the front door of the DA's home and her husband defended their home with a gun. Now he's charged with assault for doing so. There's no word about uh, whether or not the trespassers were charged. No word about that at all. Yet they are de- they are Democrats. That's, that's what I'm saying about the, the irony. <laughs> the KTLA reports, the husband of Los Angeles District Attorney Jackie Lacey has been charged with pointing a gun at Black Lives Matter members who demonstrated outside. See how they put it? They, they, they act like it was a First Amendment kind of thing that these people were engaged in. Outside the couple's home the day before, she faced a primary election in March. The state attorney general filed three misdemeanor charges Monday in Los Angeles Superior Court against David Lacey for assault with a firearm for the March 2nd incident. Lacey, 66, pointed a gun at demonstrators who protested outside the couple's home before dawn on March 2nd and said, I will shoot you, according to the video of the incident. Let's just take a look at that. Right now, get off. Good morning. Get off of my porch. I will shoot you. Get off of my porch. Can you tell Jackie Lacey that we're here? I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. Get off of my porch right now. We're calling the police right now. Good. Wow. He pulled a gun and pointed it at my chest. We're here for the community meeting, Jackie Lacey. Jackie Lacey Maybe will you'll go. shoot me in the back. Jackie Lacey will go. Jackie Lacey. All right, so you can see they have been told to leave the premises, um, and they continue to stay there. That's called trespassing. Now, the DA needs to be responsible to the people. No, no question about that, okay? But the fact of the matter is, is they were told to leave the premises. They did not. There are no charges that I'm aware of of any of these people for trespassing. See, because once you go into a property, sometimes it's automatic because it's clearly labeled. But sometimes you go into a property, let's say you go into a store, um, and this was something we learned in concealed weapons class, 
And that was you're shopping in the store. You happen to bend over or something. Your shirt comes up and manager or somebody sees that you have a weapon and they don't want you to have one in their store. They can ask you to leave and you can say, well, I have a right. And you can talk with them and stuff. And they, if they still insist on it and you stay there, you're technically trespassing and you have to go. You can be arrested for that. Here's these people. They're doing this. And yet, no charges against any of the people on the, the front porch here. David Lacey, the man charged, is also black. Of course, you saw that in the video. But those of you listening by Red State, you're not going to see that. He was also an investigative auditor with the DA's office until 2016, his 2016 retirement. He pulled the gun on the trespassers and told him, I'm going to shoot you. Get off my porch. They were on his porch. They weren't standing out the edge of the yard. They were on his property. Okay? D.A. Lacey said her husband acted to defend their lives. Good for him. That's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. The events that took place earlier this year have caused my family immense pain. Lacey said in a statement, My husband acted in fear for my safety after we were subjected to months of harassment that included a death threat no less than a week earlier. Um, his attorney, Samuel Tyre, said, we disagree entirely with their assessment. He's talking about the charges against him. Um, he's facing three separate counts of assault with a firearm. <sighs> but we have the utmost faith in the justice system. Well, I'm not so sure about that, especially in commie California, but they are Democrats, so... Who knows? Who knows what happens? They got ties up there with Gavin, so maybe you know, he'll let it slide on this one. One for each protester. So there are three people there, and he says, get off the porch. They don't get off the porch. They continue to hang around there. Mr. Tyre said, my client's uh, human instinct is forever and always to protect his wife and his family and to keep them safe from physical harm. Of course, the media calls them protesters, right? Uh, but they're really trespassers. I mean, that's what's going on here. Again, it's our job to enforce the law, isn't it? It's our job to enforce the law. It's interesting. I'm just going to take this chat thing off because it keeps taking off the uh, the messages every time I change screens here. Now, why is this an important thing? Well, I think it's an important thing because I think that we're seeing the attacks come from different places. Earlier this year, I was in Virginia for Lobby Day. There were tens of thousands of people armed to the teeth. I'm, when I say that, I really mean armed to the teeth. I don't know. I might have seen two people that I can remember who didn't have a gun on them. Okay? Everybody else had at least one. Some had several. Nobody was shot. There were no accidental shootings. Nobody even got as so much into a heated argument that I saw there. People were respectful. Black, white, Asian, Mexican, you name it, were there. And we all got along. And we were all kind to one another. And yet, we see some other things that are transpiring with those who promote the Second Amendment. Now look, I'm for anybody having guns and using them lawfully. And that is to defend against evildoers, against aggressors, 
to be used in the putting down of invasions, suppressing insurrections, any of that. But the end of July, there was a group of black arm um, guys that were going to hold a rally, met up in Memphis, went up into Kentucky. And what happened? They said something like, stop effing around or don't be effing around. And while they were doing just that, one of their members got shot and several others were injured because they didn't handle themselves properly. Now, now the news jumped all over this, and this was out in the news. Gateway Pundit had put it out that uh, members of an all-black and armed, not effing around coalition, NFAC, I guess that's what they call themselves there, met up in Memphis this weekend. NFAC is holding an armed rally for Brianna Taylor, and I'm going to talk about her in just a moment, too. This is the black woman who was an EMS person who's on the front lines and was shot in her home. I think she was in her bed, left to bleed out and die because cops came in, I guess, looking for a boyfriend. And nobody's been held accountable for it. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, too. Okay? So they, they showed up here, and rightfully so. Look, I, I have no problem with them being armed. I have no problem with them protesting. None at all. The rally was supposed to start at noon, and then someone got shot accidentally. Here's a little bit of footage from that as well. Whoops. Somehow. Got some other things going on here. And I apologize because it's taking a little bit longer than normal, but uh, that should have played. Anyway, I guess it's clicking over to something else. Anyway, there's a shot. There's only a few seconds there. And there's a shot you hear go off. Um, all of these guys are around. They're doing the whole BLM thing and stuff. And if that's the way they want to protest, fine. I don't care. Um, if they're not harming anybody and they are being peaceful, that's fine. The Black NFAC militia group uh, planned this. Um, they wanted 6,000 armed people there. I think they got a very small number that actually showed up. And uh, if I'm, if I recall correctly, one of the people, the, the person who was actually shot ended up dying. If I, if I recall that, maybe you guys can correct me in the chat, but I, I, if I remember correctly, the person died. Now, why is that important? Well, because everybody expected something like this and much worse. Uh, let me put it, let me change that. The media and the politicians expected and were promoting things. Okay? Uh, yeah, I, I know they call them that. Uh, promoted things like this to happen at Lobby Day. And nothing did. Now we have this going on here. What's going on? Well, speaking of Breonna Taylor, did you guys see where the cops walked out of court and would and refused to answer any questions regarding her killing? You see, folks, I don't buy the thin blue line. Okay? I don't buy that. Police officers are to be held accountable just like regular people. 
I mean, they are, because they're regular people. This idea that they can hide behind immunity is wrong. It, it, it's the same thing as politicians who want to hide behind it. But again, one law and one punishment for you and me, and another law and another punishment for those in certain places of authority. After nearly five months, okay, since Louisville police officers fired more than 20 bullets into Brianna Taylor's apartment, hitting her five times out of those 20 and killing her, they finally got some of these guys into court. You say, what does this have to do with the other? I'm fixing to tell you. I just I have to set things up here because these are some of the things that I I see and I see them kind of converging together, okay? The silence by the LMPD is a kick in the face to Taylor's family. According to a report out of Louisville this week, police have no problem flaunting the fact that they can remain silent. Well, look. Um this is from Matt Agaris. Look, they have a 5th Amendment right if they want to be quiet. Um, they can do that in the sense of if they're criminally charged. I don't know what happens here. I don't know why there's not a pressing if there's a real investigation. But when you have, I, I got to tell you, I got friends who are um, IA investigators, internal affairs. And I told them, I said, yeah, you, you may be doing a good job in this, that, and the other. But I said, I always question, and I think the public questions, police investigating themselves. I just... I, you know, the fox guarding the hen house, so to speak. I mean, that is what comes to mind to me. Agger's reports committee meeting was held on Monday in an attempt to gain some clarity on where LMPD stands on the current investigation. Instead of answering questions during the committee, however, Louisville's top police officers stood up, walked out, and refused to answer any questions. ABC reports that Louisville Metro Police Chief Rob Schroeder and the city's chief of public safety, Amy Hess, left the hearing without answering queries from city lawmakers on Monday, citing a pending lawsuit against the police department and the city. Well, maybe the city lawmakers ought to relieve them all of duty permanently. If they won't answer their questions, if they won't be accountable to the people, maybe this is what they should do. Their decision to walk out is in spite of the fact that they agreed to testify before the Government Oversight and Audit Committee about the city's response to ongoing protests over Taylor's death, which is what I just read to you about in Kentucky. Lawyers for the top cops released statements after they walked out claiming it is not in their interest to testify given the pending litigation by the ACLU and the NAACP. Well, it's not about their interest. It's about what is right. It's about holding somebody accountable. Now, let me, let me put this to you. Again, going back to the CWP training, we were told in the state of South Carolina, you can do things like if you're in a jewelry store and someone comes in and they take out a person or two, they grab uh, the, the store owner, and they take them back in the back, open up the safe, 
they've got a gun on them, you can pull out your 50 caliber Desert Eagle, walk up behind them, put it right to their head, and blow them away. You can decapitate them with that and be perfectly within the law because you're assuming the rights of the person who's being threatened. Okay? But what you don't have the right to do is to shoot indiscriminately into the crowd to try to take out the bad guy and injure or kill other people without a repercussion for that, without any justice being brought to you. You don't have that right to do. So when you pull your gun in public, you better make sure that you're going to hit the person and the target that you're aiming at and make sure there ain't nobody downrange. Like if you're firing a 9mm going through them and into somebody else, you have to make sure of those kinds of things. Why? Because they will put you under the jail. But apparently not the police officers. Police officers can walk because, oh, we're, it's not in our best interest because we're being sued. And you notice when they have these meetings, they say, oh, we don't want to talk about that. This is a pending investigation. Okay. Their absence will likely be short-lived. And this is, I guess, some good news. As the council members voted 10 to 1, who is the one person who didn't do this? To issue subpoenas to compel the officials to testify soon after they walked out. Taylor's case has swarmed in controversy and has led to protests across the country. On a nearly weekly basis, we continue to find out just how egregious the actions of police were from that night until now. One of those details we reported last month is the fact that Taylor was still alive after police riddled her body with bullets and possibly could have lived had she received any help. But she didn't get it. Let me show you this. This comes from the Daily Mail. Should you not choose to, to continue today, then we will need to talk about subpoenas and forcing you to do what I think is the right thing. I think you came here today to do the right thing. And I think you got a bunch of lawyers lawyering up who are worried about damages and, and defensive lawsuits. And that's, that's their job. That's not my job here today. Yes, I am a lawyer. But today I wear the cap, the cap of, of a councilman and uh, the chair of this body who's job it is to get the truth out here to the public. I think we've waited long enough. Uh, your all's actions, your knowledge, your participation or lack thereof, those were all choices made in the past. Own them. Live up to them. If you did right, great. If you did wrong, we will deal with that. But what's done is done. And so with that being said, I will again tender the question to you all. Who would like to proceed first with their opening statements? Mr. Chair, if I may, uh, we do respectfully disagree, not just with respect to the application of the Open Meetings Act and the exceptions thereto with the authorities, the legislature, the Kentucky General Assembly granted this body. And when the Kentucky General Assembly gave this body the ability to uh, compel testimony from members of the executive branch, it specifically mandated that if the testimony was to cover a matter that meets the exceptions to the Open Meetings Act, then it shall. It shall be done in executive session. That is the mandate, that is the dictate of this body, if this body is to follow the law. My, we do not want to do this in, in open session. I mean, in, in closed session. We want to do this in open session, 
and as we communicated with the committee's attorneys before this afternoon's proceedings began, we believe we can do that, balancing those competing interests that the General Assembly has, has recognized in enacting CARES 67103C, 67C103, and also CARES 61810. We think as soon as 30 days from now, we can be back here to proceed in an open and transparent fashion. We think being forced to do that today is not only in contravention of the statutes, but it, it, it defeats the, the, the protections that the General Assembly has said about why you don't, an agency does not discuss pending litigation in the open. We don't want to discuss pending litigation. We've, we've gone into executive session before, David, you know, when, when there has been pending litigation and the, the attorneys come in and tell us, here's the strategy, here's what's going on. I don't want to ask questions about the lawsuit. I don't want to ask questions about the lawsuit. I want to qu ask the questions about the facts of the situation. And I don't see what changes today versus 30 days from now other than information goes stale, information is lost. So with that being said, colleagues, any questions or concerns? Uh, Councilman Hollander is in the queue. You have the floor, Councilman Hollander. Yes, if you're not going to be ta talking on the record, yes, you should. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, what, what I would like to do is to research this issue, and I'm, frankly, I'm a little disappointed that apparently uh, there's been discussion with the chair, which was not shared at all with any of the members of the committee, that this issue was brewing, uh, that we uh, would have a decision to make today that would have given us an opportunity to look into the legal issue. I at least was not informed of, about that by the chair or the vice chair at all, uh, and frankly, I find that disappointing. I think it would have helped us all if we'd have uh, been able to look at the situation prior to uh, to this meeting. Thank you. All right, all right, and you can see the guys walking out there and <clears throat> um, what was going on and not answering the questions. Now, you're citing the law for those kinds of things, and I get it if you've got something that's, <laughs> I guess, going to be in it. But here's the thing: their account, they're supposed to be accountable to the people who put them there. And why there's no answering, I don't know. Um, this idea of litigation, again, they're going to have to, in one way or another, say what went on. They're going to have to say what went on. And the more this goes on, the more we see what's happening here, okay? So what, I, what I'm drawing with this is why the protests were going on in the first place, okay? Why those protests were going on in the first place. And with that came this... Accidental shooting, false flag, whatever it was. Okay, I don't know. And we have people injured. Okay, so that comes up. Then we have several other things. Let me give you, again, boy, this is, that was Kentucky. Uh, we started off with um, California, and this is Kentucky. And now we're looking at the California legislation threatening the Second Amendment rights is up again this week. Now, folks, I got to tell you, whatever happens and starts in California eventually makes its way over where? Across the country. All kinds of stuff. Okay? This week, several committees will be hearing bills that impact both your Second Amendment rights and hunting heritage in California. Use the, uh, You can use the take action buttons that I have here uh, on the article, and I'll have this up a little bit later. 
But one of those is um, SB 1175, which is sponsored by Senator Henry Stern. It prohibits the possession of certain African species of wildlife. The true goal of the bill is to ensure that individuals are not allowed to bring home lawful hunting trophies, even with the approval of the U.S. government. Now, you say, well, how does that, how does that work with this, that, and the other, with the, um, with the Second Amendment? Because this is dealing with the fact that you, you use a firearm in this. Now, you can use, obviously, bows and arrows. You can do that. But a lot of this stuff is sneaky ways of attacking the Second Amendment, because you can bet your bottom dollar that tied within this stuff, they're going to say, okay, this makes you a certain kind of, of criminal, a felon, and what we're going to do is felons can't have guns. Do you see it? The, the attacks come from all angles. They don't have to be, this is a assault weapon ban. This is a this, that, and the other with a gun thing. It can be in all kinds of legislation. Now, am I for the issue of bringing people to justice who actually commit capital crimes and them not having guns? Yes, but my solution is not to play this game of going through background checks and doing all this other stuff. My solution is to actually bring justice on the criminal by putting them in the ground. If you murder somebody, guess what? You don't get to live either. And then we're not fighting with whether or not Tim has to go through a background check to see if he's a criminal or not because I'm not dead. (laughs) Okay? The people who are executed, and they do that in the community, are the ones who give up their rights, not everybody else. Do you understand? See, we play this little game of universal background checks will keep everybody safe. No, they don't. They don't keep anybody safe. Because anybody else that wants to go and commit a crime, they want to murder or whatever they want to do, they don't have to wait for your week-long waiting period, you know, for your sheriff to say, yep, he's okay to get a gun. We want to make sure he's not angry anyway. They can go steal one. Isn't that what we were told about Sandy Hook? I know that was the narrative, right? Went in, killed his mom, stole her guns. Anybody that wants it can do it. This is it's just goofy. But here's another way. It's under a hunting issue in which... The Second Amendment is being attacked. And this happens all the time with stuff like this. Okay? Happens all the time. Let me give you a couple other things here. We are told that there is at least some movement about what I talked about the other week, and that is in the militia. And this is the good part about that. There is always a response to these kind of things. We saw it in Virginia when we had uh, Dr. Edwin Vieira on, and he was talking about using the law that set there for prepping, if you will, and using it to teach and train the militia in it under the guise of, quote-unquote, prepping. Okay? And that was after Lobby Day. LiveZet has an article out titled, Conservative Militias, America's Sleeping Giant. There you see a few of the guys there in one of the militia groups. When a general officer in the Japanese army suggested invading America during the planning for the Pearl Harbor attack, Japanese Imperial Navy Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto reportedly said, and nobody's ever found any evidence that he actually said it, but it was a good point. 
You cannot invade the mainland United States. There would be a rifle behind each blade of grass. In the case of America's armed conservative militia movement, that warning still holds true. It surely does. In fact, this, this idea that gun sales that I was talking about earlier have gone up, even under a Republican president, is quite telling to me. And it tells me that people think something's fixing to hit the fan. Okay? Pro-Second Amendment and patriotic militia movements have been a fact in this nation since its inception. But in recent times, they have gained strength in membership starting about 10 years ago. Many citizens were concerned about the unconstitutional tendencies of the Obama administration. I think some of them still have the understanding that's still going on here with this one. They postulated that the Obama regime could become a clear and present danger to basic American constitutional liberties, which they were, and formed militias to prepare for the worst. And while that specific threat has come and gone, the same groups and ideology now in the shape of Antifa and Black Lives Matter, continue to pose a threat to the nation. We can see their heavily armed presence on the streets of America every night. If ever push came to shove, the American militia movement could provide an armed citizen counterweight to the domestic terrorism of Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Now, that's a, that is a good response. That is not a bad thing. But you watch the media start painting these guys. They've already been doing it in some ways. Even among controlled opposition, Fox News. You remember when Sean Hannity came out and he had, uh, what was the guy, the, the former Secret Service guy, Bongino? Um, and then I think he had John Locke on there. And Sean Hannity was upset that peaceful, law-abiding militia members had their arms to protest in Michigan. Guys, we don't need a show of force. You don't? You don't? Oh, I'm one of the biggest supporters. No, you're not. You're not a supporter if you look at things that way, of the Second Amendment. And here's the thing. These attacks keep going on. Now, we're talking mainly here about the issue of the Second Amendment, but other rights are being attacked too. You've got to understand that. Your ability to speak the truth on social media platforms is being limited. You are being censored for your opinion. You're being censored for citing the law. You're being censored because somebody wants to define hate as something that it's not and love as something it's not to defend the the guilty. Your rights are being trampled upon through red flag laws. Your rights are being trampled on. And look, we, we cover it every day. Look, and I want everybody to understand. If you're a police officer out there, I'm not attacking you because I don't know you, first of all. But what I'm saying is when we bring these stories up about these cops doing what we would be in trouble for doing, like the killing of Breonna Taylor, and nobody wants to talk and nobody's been arrested in it, You and I would have already been arrested. We would have been arrested on the spot. These guys aren't. Same thing happened up there in Minnesota. Okay? You've got going on what you've got going on there with that guy. And it took him how many days to arrest the guy? 
and his buddies who were standing by guarding him. Huh? By the way, I was going to tell you something. This is kind of interesting. I put in a Freedom of Information... This is just sort of a side note. I put in a Freedom of Information Act. You guys remember seeing that police vehicle right there where George Floyd was with police on it, right? For the tag, for the license plate. I put in a Freedom of Information Act to Minnesota, the city of Minnesota. I got it back the other day. I was sort of surprised. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I, I really am surprised. Do you know that they have over 200 vehicles with the same license plate police? Do you know they have that? All of them say police. I, I've i never seen that. State Highway Patrol down here in South Carolina have something like SHP, and then they have a number after it. All of them different. All of them distinctive. Unmarked cars have regular license plate. Nobody has the same license. They have over 200 of them in Minneapolis. 200 vehicles, most of them Ford Explorers. Doesn't that strike you as a little odd? Now, I was told they have GPS so they can, you know, track whoever. But if you're a person out there and something happens to you, maybe there's two or three of them out there, and you go and say, hey, I had this happen. Well, what was the, what they want to know is what the vehicle number is, not what the license plate. All of them have the same license plate. So just thought I'd throw that out there. It's a little strange to me that uh, you would have that in place. There's a, um, an article dealing with protection. You know, Bradley talked about that with the George Floyd. He says, I couldn't have stood there and watched that go on and not done something. And I agree with him. I, 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 I'm not one to just turn away from something when you see it being done to somebody when you could step in and do something. Yeah, you'd probably get arrested yourself. I get it. But seeing what's going on there, there's just no way to, to do that. There's a great article that we posted the other day. Yes, um, not yesterday, a couple of days ago. The government cannot protect you. You must protect yourself. That's sort of where I borrowed my title from. And um, it's a little bit lengthy here. But I want to read to you a few things out of this because I think this is um, this is very important. As an NYPD veteran police officer and adjunct professor lecturer of police science at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, National Rifle Association certified firearms instructor, pistol, rifle, and shotgun, and training counselor and active member of the International Association of Law Enforcement Firearm Instructors, lifetime resident of New York City, I have dedicated my life to the preservation and strengthening of our cherished Second Amendment. This is no easy task, especially today as we see constant, concerted, vigorous attacks on the fundamental right of personal defense with firearms. So it was with more than a little interest I read Stephen Hallbrook's article. And by the way, uh, we've had his son on to talk about vaccines and the history of that. And I want to get his dad on because he wrote a a great book. Uh, He's going to mention here an article. But Stephen wrote a great book that you can check out called Gun Control in the Third Reich. You can pick it up at Amazon. It's it's a great book. It really is. Great read. But this guy read Stephen's article, How Does New York City Get Away with This? This was published in August 2020, edition of NRA's publication, America's First Freedom. 
Of course, Stephen is a Second Amendment constitutional law expert and a prolific writer and author who's argued and won several important Second Amendment cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. In his article, he provides a brief history of restrictive handgun licensing in New York City. He correctly observes that, quote, It all started with the Sullivan Act of 1911, the first law in any state or other than the slave codes to require a license for mere possession of a pistol even in the home. See how a little leaving leavens the whole lump? How many gun laws do we have now? Federal and state. Toward the end of the article, he makes, that, he makes the point that nothing has changed since 1911 when an Italian-American Mario Rossi, or Rossi carried a pistol for protection against a black hand for which he was sentenced to a year in prison. It is, of course, disturbingly, depressingly, frustratingly true that nothing has changed in New York City since 1911 insofar as the city continues to require a valid license to lawfully possess a handgun. Now, this gets to something, doesn't it? What did our founding fathers say in the Declaration of Independence? They said that men were created equal by their creator and given what? An alienable rights. Among those are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, or the original is the pursuit of property. And we know that even in the Bill of Rights, it's expressed any rights not enumerated here reside with the state and with the people. It's expressly said that we have a right, which if we tie it back to the Declaration of Independence, that right comes from God, our Creator, the one who made us, to keep and bear arms. If you have a right to do something, why do you need a permit? Why do you need a license? Well, but Tim, if we don't have that, then all the bad guys... See, if you talk like that, if that's the way you talk, it shows their propagandas work very well on you. It's like when you have a right to protest, right? The freedom to assemble and to protest your government for a redress of grievances. Where does it say in there that you have to get a permit to exercise your right? But yet, this is what we do all the time. This is the kind of conditioning we're in all the time. And let me throw in something else. You don't see that with BLM, do you? Nope, they just come right out there and do their thing, don't they? You don't see that with Antifa. Nope, they just come right out there and do their thing, don't they? Wrong as it is, they just come right out there and do their thing. Why don't patriots do that? Huh? Why don't those who want the law to be upheld just come out and do it and say, no, this is a right we have. You're not going to bind us by your little corporate schemes. We don't do that. We play nice. We clean up after ourselves as we should. And yet the enemy is just marches in there and those entrusted to enforce the law, let them do it. Whose rights are being attacked though? Not theirs, yours, mine. Our rights are being attacked. This article, again, we'll have it up at sonslibertymedia.com. You'll be able to check this out. <clears throat> a link to it. An important uh, 
still in a few important respects, much has changed, and for the worse, since the enactment of the unconscionable and unconstitutional Sullivan Act. And the 109 years since handgun licensing began, New York City's laws have become more extensive, more oppressive, and repressive, and confoundingly difficult to understand. Well, this is what happens when you move away from God's law. You get man's, instead of God's Ten Commandments, you get man's 10,000 commandments. And why are they confusing? Because it's the author who's producing them. God's not a, a God of confusion. That comes from the devil. Okay? These laws are a labyrinth maze of ambiguity and vagueness, and they are singularly bizarre. Unlike many other states that wisely preempt the field of gun regulation, as failure to do so invariably promotes and leads to confusion and inconsistencies across the state, the New York state government in Albany has not preempted the field. The New York legislature <clears throat> excuse me, gives local governments wide discretion in establishing their own firearms rules as long as local governments enact local government enacts enactments, excuse me, don't conflict with basic state law mandates. Albany traditionally allows and even encourages local governments to devise their own, often numerous and extremely stringent firearm rules. New York City has done so, and with glee, devising an extraordinarily complex and confusing array of rules directed to the ownership and possession of all firearms, rifles, shotguns, and handguns. That's amazing considering that a place like Kennesaw, Georgia, requires all of its citizens to have guns in their home. And for decades, they basically had zero murders. Violent crime went down. Thefts went down. All kinds of crime went down. The only place crime occurred in Kennesaw, Georgia, was on university property, which was, can you say it with me? A gun-free zone. That was, the, that was the place where it really, really happened. Otherwise, it, had almost non, it was almost non-existent. Now, you had some exemptions for that where people, you know, out of conscience didn't want to get a gun, and, and the city abided by that. They didn't force them to do it. But they wanted everybody to be armed in their homes. It's the exact opposite of what's going on in New York and Chicago and L.A. and all these other places where they enact this stuff. <clears throat> but after all, you want the agents of the states to be armed, right? This is what I was pointing to about Kentucky. You want the agents of the state armed, don't you? Because they're going to look after us. Tell that to Breonna Taylor. Tell it to her. Tell it to her family. They're going to look after you because they're the ones with the guns. And now we're what Ron Paul warned of in the late 90s with the arming of federal agencies like the Bureau of Land Management, like Homeland Security, IRS, the post office, all of this stuff, it's, it's becoming problematic. It was problematic under Obama. It's problematic under Trump. 
New York state law sets forth the basic handgun licensing scheme applicable to all New York jurisdictions, making clear that possession of handguns falls within the province of the police and that no license shall be issued or renewed pursuant to this section except by the licensing officer and then only after investigation and finding that all statements and a proper application for a license are true. See what they've done? See what they've done to the people of New York? Disarm them through words. Disarming them through words. And let me just say this. When we have stories on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com that point out corrupt police officers, the point is to bring justice to those guys. Okay? That's the point. I realize every cop is not out there doing what some of these corrupt cops do. I get that. But everybody doesn't have a problem if I say this about politicians, except they have your political jersey on, of course. But here it is. Why do I say that? Because these guys will be the guys who come to take your guns. They will be the ones to come shut you up and take your rights. They'll be the ones to come arrest you when you don't put the mask on or when you don't take the vaccine or whatever the case may be. Those are the guys they're going to use to do it. I'm just letting you you cops know. They're going to use you to do it. And you have to stand up too. Those of you who are good cops, you've got to stand up too. You've got to call out the corruption. You have to point the finger. You've got to deal with it. Because it's your rights that's going to be under attack too. You're not exempt from it. I've got several articles that I wanted to get to, and I stumbled a little bit because I was trying to put some things together so that I was trying to be coherent. And I apologize if I wasn't. But over and over, you can you can see we have bills come through every week that we post at gunsinthenews.com. And one of the things you can see is over and over in every state, practically, they're attacking your right to keep and bear arms. Every one of them. And here's the thing. It's being allowed to be done by those who are supposed to uphold the law. It's being allowed to be done. We got to stop that, guys. We have to stop it. Forcing the law is our duty under our Constitution. You guys appreciate your time today. And uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, we'll be here again. Health and Wellness Show with Kate Shimarani. Uh, She says she wants to talk about something that I just... Can't believe I'm going to be talking about on the radio. But anyway, we'll see what happens. All right, 23 hours. See ya.